Hello, world singers. My name is Tyler. And my name is Brooke. And this is Cosmere Conversations. Conversations. Brooke, we are here with our round two of the well round one breakdown and then round two introductions for the cosmere cage match very exciting really appreciate all the participation that we had from the fans on the reddit and the facebook uh this has been such a fun week (laughs) it really has because the numbers were like astounding to me how many people were participating so Really, really appreciate everyone who gave comments and voted using the Google Forms. We will have a continual cage match round each week for the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out. Right now, we are going to discuss and declare yeah, the winners for round one. Let's dive in. Excellent. No more hesitation. Let's do this. Cosmere Cage Match Round One. Ding ding. Matchup one. Kelsier, the OG Mistborn versus Light Song, the Warbreaker God. Thoughts, Brooke? Well, I think I said that Kelsier would win, considering how Light Song is not much of a combatant, and Kelsier definitely is. We were thinking that. You know, against relative normies, Light Song could actually put up some... For sure, yeah. I mean, like... Maybe. Barring anything else, he could just fall on top of them and, like, he's very large. (laughs) And, you know, increase strength. However, one of the fan comments that was left said, quote, Kelsier's ruthlessness and experience using his power for combat is a big advantage. He's faced physically stronger opponents before... And Light Song's inexperience in battle will spell the Warbreaker God's doom. End quote. Yeah, I think that's a great point that just Kelsier's personality, his innate personality of that ruthlessness is really what gives him an advantage. What is the and only- Light Song is so nice. <laughs> that Light Song is just too nice. He literally like, sacrificed hey man, himself. how's it going? Stab. <laughs> Dead. Like- just blown apart by coins. Just- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I suppose the only interest, no, there's no interesting questions, but I was going to try to make it sound better than it is. I really did like one person's comment though. Kelsier is a skilled Mistborn. Lightsong, while a god, is a skilled layabout. <laughs> <laughs> what is Lightsong going to do other than whine Kelsier to death? Like, yeah. He might yeah. drink Kelsier under the table, but he's certainly <laughs> yeah. not going to win in a battle of combatants. So bye-bye Light Song. Kelsier wins this round. Moving on to our second matchup. We have two people from Skadriel, Vin and Tensoon, who technically have fought before. I think this was our only matchup where technically they had fought before. Yeah. And remember, this is random. We didn't pick these. We did not in any way pick these. It's just totally random. Uh, But we have Mistborn versus Faceless. Immortal? True, true. What are your thoughts on this one? This one to me was interesting because most people's uh, justification for their answer was something that I 
did not factor in when I was thinking about it. You went straight combatant, didn't you? Yeah, you I would like, like, maybe like, he'll turn into a gigantic uh, wolf hound thing. Yeah, I well, I definitely saw Tensoon as the wolf hound because I feel like that's when he is the strongest the best, yeah. as a combatant. Um, but I was like really imagining this as a Super Smash Bros. fight. Like they both have their skills, they appear, they fight. I was not really taking into account any kind of like knowledge that they learn because I felt like that was a separate thing. So most people said that Vin would win because she knows the Condra's secret. Which she um, discovers in, I think, Well of Ascension. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the second book. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Uh, well, we know that through a extra boost of emotional allomancy through Duralumin, that the Chondra, or really any hemallergic thing, can be uh, controlled by a full Mistborn. So... Most of the people gave Vin an overwhelming victory in this matchup, uh, but I really like this idea of using emotional allomancy because it means that even though Tensoon doesn't like it, and I'm, I'm sure it's painful mentally or cognitively, uh, nobody has to die in this fight. Nobody has True. to get hurt. Vin is literally just going to emotionally blast Tensoon and overwhelm him, and then he will become. I mean, her I guess. Theoretically, right, Vin wouldn't even have to do that. She could just, like, soothe him enough to where he was like, meh, I don't feel like fighting. And then she yeah. would win. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure the only uh, caveat there is that Tensoon is, like, a master of understanding when he's probably being manipulated. Sure. Uh, so I, I would say maybe a normal soothing yeah. wouldn't work on him, uh, and you would need that extra boost. But as a Mistborn, Vin is one of... Only two people in this bracket uh, that has the power to emotionally burst down Tensoon. And I think that that is going to give her the win. For sure. In a non, no combat in this actual fight. (laughs) It's perfect. It's the best type of fight. Next, we have Eshenai versus Vavena, and this was a really good fight. We had almost equal numbers uh, on this one. I think this one and maybe one other were where it came down to basically a 50-50 split. Uh, the voting was very, very close, literally decided by just a couple of votes. So Eshenai, I put her in war form with Shard, blade and shard plate somewhere around like end of uh way of kings before she goes all storm form yeah that's how how i had her as well and then vivenna most people and myself put her not in warbreaker but as azure in oathbringer where she has what we'll call nightblood 2.0 uh and some type of scarf cloak yeah i think it's a cloak she wears it as a cloak and wraps around her arm exactly puts it around her arm in combat situations she's kind of like the winter soldier there it is i love it yeah she's the (laughs) she's the cloaked soldier i think this fight was most interesting because we have a very very skilled combatant in eshenai lots of war experience lots of dueling experience and the Parshendi are just physically very strong. strong. Yeah. They're a little bit bigger than humans. The jumping a little bit skill. Yeah, exactly. I think that where it gets very interesting is the Vena in Oathbringer is definitely a very knowledgeable and experienced individual with both fighting, uh, where, you know, she runs through a the most we saw about 
her fighting skills were really like on the defense of the wall at Kolinar, where she did not kill, but uh, held off a couple of fused as well as other attackers. I think that the scarf around her arm is also a cue that she is very, very good with awakening and might use that as like a last ditch effort if like people were watching. But in this type of fight, well, she could use it pretty offensively. And at this point, I would assume that Vivent has been around for a while. So yeah, more than maybe a single lifetime. Exactly. Yeah, so I possibly. think like her skill is probably pretty high with both fighting, considering she knows Vasher. Yeah. And awakening. Again, considering she knows Vasher. I think there's a lot of interesting things that could be done with awakening. For example, like I imagined her Nightblood 2.0 with her awakened scarf, and she like throws that scarf out to try to trip up eshenai or something like on the on the fighting grounds you throw out the scarf and give it a command of like trip whoever steps on you or something and then you just try to fight around and the scarf actually becomes like another tactic or another thing that eshenai has to worry about and my only question with that is we don't know well we know that shard plate makes you Protected from investiture, or Basically, at least yeah. like, investiture surges on Rashar. Investiture, yeah. So then, like, would that work? I'm not sure. Would the command be effective on someone that's kind of like cloaked in investiture? You know, or does that kind of make them invisible to the command? That's interesting, but I think that we've seen, uh, for example, like commands be used against people with high level breaths on that's true Warbreaker. that's true um so i i don't think that there's a command that could be given for vivena to awaken or somehow use eshenai's shard plate itself or the shard blade like i don't think she could awaken those objects but i do think that she could use her cloak to like trip up eshenai theoretically however once she did it's just a cloak like Eshenai is going to swipe through that with her shard blade. Right. And Vivenna has, has a huge problem in terms of both endurance and durability because Eshenai has plate. Yeah. I, I think, think this is the separating factor. In even though, exactly, even though it would be a good fight, there's just no way that Azure can win without the protective capabilities of shard plate. Yeah. I think that in a straight, like, no plate battle, uh, and maybe no awakening, just straight uh, swords. I would maybe give it to Vivenna. Sure. Uh, she could theoretically be a better uh, sword dancer mm -hmm. uh, or duelist uh, than Eshenai. But with the plate, I think it just becomes too overwhelming. I don't know what Vivenna's real defense is going to be exactly against a fully enraged Eshenai charging at her. Like, that's a lot to deal with. And you're going to throw a cloak at her like she'll just she'll yeah. get through that. At some point, you're going to get sliced. Yeah. So this round, I give it to Ashenai. We move on to the next one. Next up, we have another really good, really close fight with Lyft and Shalon. This fight was super interesting because there's a lot of different levels to the fight. Uh, and a lot of different people who were uh, commenting and kind of giving us different versions of the fight. I loved this uh, comment 
from one of our listeners. Quote, Lyft simply doesn't have the focus or training at the current moment to defeat a multi-projecting Shallan with or without her plate. In the future, however, dot, dot, dot. And this is one of the points that I think is most important to make. What we said is that the fight takes place as the characters are best in the books that we've seen so far. I think a fully radiant or fifth ideal radiant lift is probably going to be one of the most difficult combatants in the Cosmere. Yeah, for sure. Because we already know lift is a game breaker. She can conceivably beat anyone. Like, and the edge dancer order was renowned for fighting right. as part of the Knights Raiding totally. history. So I think that in the future, Lyft might easily take this, but right now... But as she is currently, she, I mean, we see her in Oathbringer. She like can't even stand up while edge dancing. Paddling <laughs> along, and it's remarked many times like how she doesn't like it, she wants to move past it, but she doesn't know the next surge well enough, or she doesn't know the ideals well enough. I yeah, think, I mean, she just like, she is a child, and she is a child in her knowledge of her surges as well. There were a couple of comments that uh, strongly favored Lyft, though. Uh, she said, quote, I think Lyft is aggressive enough to outmatch Shallan's wits. Shallan has not yet displayed an ability to effectively soul cast, so it pretty much becomes a fight using their spren weapons. Lyft's ability to change friction has more combat potential than Shallan's illusions. I do think I do think Lyft would be able to see through Shallan's illusions. Ooh, tell me why. Just because of what we've seen of her partially existing in the cognitive realm um, and being able to like pop up in dreams, like obviously she has some kind of connection to the cognitive realm. So I think she would be able to identify those illusions versus reality. So I think that's one advantage she would have. But like this person says, it would probably be uh, a battle of weapons. And we all know Wendell doesn't like to hurt things. So she's got that against her. That is one of the hardest things to understand is that right now, Lyft is not a killer. Lyft has never, as we know, Lyft has never hurt anybody. She's great at evading, but she's not aggressive. And she has the surge of regrowth as well. So she is like a powerful healer. But I think that we're going to see, like, in this fight, this is kind of how I would imagine it going. You're going to see Shallan throw out multiple projections. You think Lyft might have some Game Breaker way of, like, kind of seeing through those projections. But I think in any type of fight, you're relying on one young girl who, like, let's not forget that being small is a disadvantage in a fight. Like... (laughs) If you have shorter reach, yeah, uh, then that's gonna that's gonna lead to more difficult things. Um, I, I think that there's gonna be a lot of evasion, a lot of uh, duplicity. I think that it's possible that Lyft could like land some hits on Shallan. But the thing that I want to point out that one of our fans pointed out is quote fourth ideal motherfuckers end quote <laughs> Shallan. As far as we know is one of the only radiants to reach the fourth ideal. This is still soft speculation, but the fan comment here kind of makes me lean towards Shallan having more experience with combat, having more experience with killing people, and because she might have 
manifested that shard armor at the end of Oathbringer. That fourth ideal, I just go, Lift is at the third ideal, Shallan's at the fourth. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think this one does go to Shallan. I would love to read a couple of the other comments that we got, though, just to kind of highlight how close uh, this battle is and the things that sort of work in each of their favor. Uh, One person (laughs) said that Lyft, even without food, she could eat her own finger and turn it into Stormlight and then regrow her finger later (laughs) when light (laughs) is available. I wonder if that's uh, a type of, like perpetual motion machine type of thing (laughs) where like you can't do it you can't so she's gonna eat food from her own finger i don't think there would be enough stormlight just from that finger to then regrow her finger maybe or you would have a perpetual motion machine where she could just keep eating her finger (laughs) and keep producing stormlight i just thought that was a funny comment of course it's hilarious and then uh later on there was another person who said that shallan has the advantage because she doesn't need to stop for a snack if she gets stabbed (laughs) (laughs) there we didn't want to make energy consumption be the main determining factor of any of these fights but it is probably important to mention that even if lift went to a fight fully stuffed fully stormlighted uh and shallan does as well i think lift because of her metabolism is gonna burn through stormlight at a higher rate than shallan would mm-hmm. almost like a honor blade wielder yeah like she Ooh, she good call has kind of that thing going on where they're just she's getting stormlight from a different way and it may not be as efficient as the quote-unquote traditional way right and then i thought another super interesting and intelligent uh, argument against shallan was that one person said quote i honestly think shallan's borderline personality disorder would be a major detriment to a direct scuffle with almost anyone in a fight against capable opponents you have to know who you are hesitation leads to death Lyft has a certain unspoiled confidence that leads her to the spontaneity required to adapt and overcome in battle, end quote. I really like that argument. Yeah. It's both psychological Mm -hmm. as well as pointing out like the the Mm -hmm. physical requirements of battle. Like the thing that I could imagine is, as I said before, Shallan's throwing out a bunch of projections, charging Lyft, going after her, maybe coming up in shard armor but like lift would be dodging evading skating around uh falling on her butt occasionally getting some snacks and then like wielding her way through a bunch of projections until she like stabs shallan in the uh, armpit or something (laughs) and then like says sorry and runs away Uh, like i I could imagine a fight kind of going that route where lift gets like one stab in that like does the deed and then like runs away real fast a little achilles heel slice basically (laughs) but i think even in this comment it says a fight against capable opponents and i just don't know that lift is a capable opponent I would probably agree with that statement. What we've seen right now from Lyft doesn't give her enough combat feats, uh, whereas I think everybody knows that eventually she will be an incredibly powerful combatant. But I don't know if she's there yet. So, fight goes to Shallan. Shallan, our Night Radiant. Next up, we have Wax versus Adolin. And this one was another hotly contested and argued fight. There were arguments on both sides that are remarkably convincing. 
starting, it kind of depends on the limits you yourself selected for uh, the kind of rules of this fight. For example, one comment said, Wax has no way to pierce shard plate and Adolin is a trained duelist, maybe one of the best in the cosmic. Now, if you think that bullets from Wax's guns cannot ever pierce shard plate, I would probably side heavily with Adolin. But what Brooke and I were discussing is that while a single normal bullet from a gun probably cannot pierce through shard plate, multiple bullets fired at the same piece of shard plate probably could either crack or shatter like a, yeah. a Vambaran. Like I was thinking about it. I mean, kind of the same as when they duel other people with shard blades is that a bullet wouldn't be able to get through, but it would probably make a little crack in the armor. And then, like you said, if you continue to hit that same place a couple times, you could potentially shatter or kill that piece of armor. And that is what I think. I think that a normal, like, six rounds from a revolver could probably shatter uh, and lead to then a penetration from a follow-up bullet. Wax, going into his fight uh, in Bands of Mourning, not when he actually has the bands, but, like, the the big fight before that, um, he definitely has multiple guns with multiple bullets to reload enough ammunition to reload a couple times he has a shotgun and he has his grappling hook and multiple vials what i think is most important to remember here though is not just the weapon but the twin born ability that wax uses all the time where he increases his own weight fires and then pushes the bullet Uh, to be faster than it normally is so it's like a hyper push or a hyper bullet and i think if we are gonna say six bullets can shatter a single piece of shard plate then a hyper pushed bullet could also probably do a lot of damage maybe not once and just pierce it but certainly a couple of times and i think this is the strategy that wax uses he stays at a distance using either flying, steel pushing, you know, he can go light and theoretically be much more mobile than Adolin, even Adolin in plate. And he fires bullets, eventually finding one spot that's going to be weak. may not even be, I think he's a talented marksman, but he might just be like firing randomly and being like, okay, it's your right shoulder that took the most damage from that. Now I'm going to try to hyper push a bullet and shatter that piece. I think that's Wax's strategy for dealing with Adolin. What do you think about Adolin as kind of the duelist in this, though? Yeah, I mean, I think Adolin is such a strong fighter. And for me, what came to mind was that uh, duel that he's in. I think it's in Words of Radiance. Yeah. um, Where he's fighting like three or four people at once. um, And most of his shard plate dies. I think he's like dragging around like one leg or something. But he ends up winning that fight. And so I just think, first of all, his dueling prowess uh, that we know, combined with his ability to continue on and continue to fight effectively, even with like three quarters of his shard plate broken, like even if Wax did get a lot of great hits in and shatter pieces of his armor, I just think Adolin's going to be able to go the distance. And we can all start singing the song from Hercules now. I'm on my way. 
I can go the distance. <laughs> uh, no, we don't need to do that. <laughs> no more singing. Uh, we need to kind of figure this out because I, I will say this is the one that Brooke and I were on the most opposite sides uh, from. And I, I thought Wax, you thought Adolin. I think that they're, the argument just that Adolin is the best duelist that we have ever seen, in my opinion. Yeah, like I really think Adolin might be the best combatant in the Cosmere. And I would agree that putting Adolin up against almost anyone, and maybe the full Mistborns are going to like give him a, a challenge, but like against anyone in the Risharian universe, he's going to be right up there as one of the winning combatants. I think that where it breaks for me is that Wax is shown to be very resourceful, very imaginative, and very creative in the ways that he utilizes his twin-born powers. For example, I don't necessarily... Okay, say you take out... Wax was able to do what we were talking about, you know, fire a bunch of times and maybe take out a leg or an arm of Adolin's. I don't know how Adolin is going to be able to necessarily respond if Wax does something like fly up into the air and then drop on Adolin with all of his weight, like his stacked weight. Adolin has increased strength with shard plate, but it definitely has a limit. And Wax would theoretically be able to just dump hundreds of pounds yeah, on but Adolin. I don't think Wax would do that because then he would be within arm's reach of a shard blade. And I think it would gets, be like the last If he move. even gets nicked with the shard blade, like... He has no healing. Yeah, yeah he would be he's, fucked. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, he, he. I definitely think he keeps his distance. I'm saying like as a final killing blow when Adolin is slowed down a bunch, that's when I could imagine Wax just dropping all his weight on him. And if you could like theoretically we've seen Adolin drop his blade plenty of times in fights because yeah. he gets knocked down or something like that so if you could theoretically maybe trip up Adolin with a grappling hook uh and leading to getting him on the ground and then wax just gets on top of him like i don't know anything that Adolin could do in that close of quarters yeah i mean i think the grappling hook would probably be the most effective way to go. But I think then that's where I get to my sticking point, which is that I was not imagining Wax with, like, every possible weapon in the world. Um, So I think that's where he gets a little bit OP, is if we're going to let him have, like, a thousand guns and a million bullets and his grappling hook and his... Just the uh, normal stuff that he comes to the regular fights with. Yeah, I just think... I think that's not... We should have probably either specified or just because there's excluded him because i think that's just too it's too much to put in a a cage match like this there's another thing that we could talk about as well which is aluminum bullets we really have no idea how those would interact with shard plate or with a person for like a, a knight's radiant which is normal healing ability can an aluminum bullet be healed if it's shot into a kaladin or a dalinar Uh, with their radiant healing. I really don't know that answer. So while we were on opposite sides of this matchup, the fans did decide and give the victory to Wax. I think mobility winning out against strength and skill. And as a lot of people noted, he brings a gun to a knife fight. Exactly. Well, he brings a gun 
to a shard fight. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. We'll, we'll see if that keeps <laughs> yeah. helping him out in the long run. One of the things that I just wanted to mention is that uh, there was, in the Google Forms, you guys put responses in, and in the responses I'm reading through, you know, there's dozens and dozens of responses. I'm going through one at a time, and I see a couple of fan responses that are obviously a person injecting their own personality. Uh, They're providing some of their own commentary and thoughts when I'm just like, oh, I recognize you. You're not just throwing out, I think this person will win. You're given a lot of A little personality, a little spice. Exactly. Really standing out from the crowd. And I noticed that. For example, in our previous fight, Lyft versus Shallan, the comment that stood out to me was, quote, I believe in my girl, end quote. And I was like, (laughs) all right, that's fair. I respect that. But both of the characters are girls. So I technically didn't know who this person was supporting. Who are you getting behind so hard? Is it Lyft or is it Shalon? It could go either way. Until I get to this fight with Wax versus Adolin. And I'm doing the same thing. I'm scrolling through all the responses, just looking, blah, blah, blah. And then a single comment of, I also believe in my boy, <laughs> jumped out at me. And I was like, oh, I get it. You are a Adolin Shalon supporter. What's their push together name? What do we call them? Shadolin. Shadolin. Or Adolon? No, Shadolin <laughs> is definitely better. So we have a Shadolin lover out there uh, who believes both in Shalon and Her girl and a boy. Exactly. We appreciate all the comments is basically what I'm saying. And I read them all, <laughs> even if we didn't talk about them all. Truth. Next up, Kenton versus Renarin. I thought this fight was incredibly interesting from a setup perspective, and many of our fans did as well. I will also say that many fans did not know who Kenton is, so if you did not listen to our last podcast or our White Sand Reviewed episode number 19, Kenton is from the planet Taldane. He is a sand master and is the star of the White Sand graphic novels. Yeah, they are real quick reads. I would recommend them. I am not a graphic novel person at all. I was very skeptical, but I enjoyed them. So if you are like me and you're kind of like, "Mm, I don't know about this, just give them a shot. And if you do, you will be able to better comment on the fight between Kenton and Renarin. (laughs) So this turned out to be one of the closest fights for the fan voting. Uh, And I think that's good because there's a lot of interesting stuff in this fight. I thought this one was interesting based on the personality matchup because I feel like these two people are some of the most maybe like insecure or unsure characters. We see a lot of Renarin sort of embodying that, but I think Kenton as well sort of never really found his place. They're both, you know, these sons who are not favored of their fathers, don't have all of the power and skill that their fathers wish they have. Um... So I thought that was just an interesting sort of like mental, psychological perspective for both of them to bring into a fight. Because it's not like one of them is just going to, you know, smash and destroy. They're both going to kind of be like, uh, 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 mm, can I do this? What I think was most interesting about this fight is the kind of clear clash between skill set 
Kenton is a trained sword fighter and sand master, which is a magic system that is pretty combat oriented. Renarin is distinctly not a combat guy in the Stormlight books, uh, who has a purpose that sometimes has like, it's like a cross purpose. He's not really sure what's going on, like you were mentioning before. But he has an incredible ability to heal, one of the most powerful healing abilities that we've seen on display across the entire Cosmere. And from my perspective, Renarin would have his Spren Blade, but not be in Shard Plate because he would be highly utilizing his healing in this fight. My thought for this fight is that Renarin, not good at much of anything, just walks towards Kenton, who is going to throw out a bunch of shit at him, bunch of sand things, hitting him in the face, trying to drain his water away. I don't know what's going on, but Kenton's going to try to overwhelm him with aggression, and Renarin is just going to take all the pain, heal himself instantaneously, and then stab Kenton in the chest with his shard blade. Okay. That's my version of the fight. Yeah, I can see that, definitely. I think for this particular fight, Renard would want to have his shard plate. Interesting. Because I think it would protect him from... (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Like, if it was someone else, like, okay, maybe you do discard the plate in favor of your uh, surge abilities, but I think for this particular one, he would want that protection because that would enable him to kind of like move through yeah. yeah, that sandstorm and then, like you said, get close enough, slice Kenton. I also, I don't think Kenton is quite as skilled as you were portraying him to be because I think they, the name for it is Sand Mastery, but I don't think he's a complete master of Sand Mastery. I respect that. I would also say that I think this is a little problem with White Sand is that they tell us that Kenton is incredibly ingenuitive and creative with his use of sand mastery, but they don't actually show it a whole bunch. True. Um, So I was kind of going with, they told us he was very good as a Yeah, but they also told us that he didn't have a very high level of power. At the Until beginning. very recently. Yeah, at the beginning. But yeah, even, even recently, I think he only has like 12 ribbons of sand versus like dozens and dozens of actual masters of sand mastery. I think that Kenton is unfortunately going to have no real defensive capabilities True. against Renarin's shard blade. I wouldn't put him in the plate, but even if you put him in the plate, I don't know how Kenton fights off the shard blade once Renarin closed distances. So the only way I could see Kenton winning is if theoretically his sand mastery was able to hurt Renarin so bad Mm. that it drained all of his stormlight to the point he couldn't heal. And then Kenton with the sword could maybe defeat Renarin, even though Renarin has a shard blade. Yeah, I think there's too many arguments against that, though. Because I think here, too, is another place where we get into questions about investiture. Because if the sand itself is invested, does wearing shard plate, again, make you invisible to that investiture or is somehow, like, protected from it, you know? I do understand what you're saying, and that is one of the problem with the crossover fights is you're yeah. kind of discussing how different types of investiture would work 
and we're not 100% certain, just from my perspective, I feel like you would be able to throw sand up against the shard plate Mm -hmm. and it would have the normal impact that sand against any object would. But like it could corrode it kind of. That's interesting. Over a very long period of time. Oh, you have a lot of sand. (laughs) Extra long period of time. Uh, I I really don't think that sand mastery has been shown to have any type of debilitating move that I would really be afraid of if I was Renarin. The one I was kind of thinking about, okay, what if Kenton, in your situation, Renarin has plate. Kenton throws up sand into Renarin's plate and then, like, manipulates the sand to, like, jab Renarin's eyes. That'd be interesting. But I have never seen... That yeah. that specific of use, it's more like a blast of sand hits people or knocks them over or something. Right. It's not so much control of like individual sand particles. Grains. Yeah. yeah. Or at least if it's possible, Kenton's not there yet. But I think regardless of anything else, I really like this comment from one person, which is, quote, I have to give this one to Renarin, seeing as he got squished flat in Oathbringer and didn't die, end quote. It's hard to... Fair. You can't really argue with that. Yeah, it's like, really hard to argue with that. The literally got, got pancake Smashed to a pancake. And then and just then, pops up like whoop. a cartoon. Yeah, literally like Wiley E. Coyote. Yeah. Like gets yeah. smushed by a boulder and then just like has a moment when he's flat as a pancake and then... Peels pop, himself up. Exactly. And then pops back into existence. Yeah. Uh, and I... I for me, that is really the deciding factor is I don't think Kenton can throw out enough offense to hurt Renarin. Yep. And that's why this one is going to go to Renarin. It's what the fans say. It's what we say. Well done, Renarin. By basically not being a fighter, you win. You win. <laughs> <laughs> Our next one is a heartbreaking matchup as well as one of our fans' favorite matchups. This is Kaladin versus Zazed, or Zazed, however you want to say it. I believe the appropriate way to say it is Zazed, but I will still say Zazed, as always. Brooke, Kaladin, the Windrunner, third ideal, getting real close to the fourth, but third ideal, Zazed, I said he was strongest at the end of Well of Ascension in the battle uh, over the city, when he has all of his metal mines and he is completely ready and willing to use all of those metal mines. Incredibly complex fight. A Farukamist versus a Windrunner. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think there. this is another one where there's a lot of good points in each of their favor. Um, I was kind of thinking, I think I did say Kaladin just because I feel like it's hard to fight against someone who can fly. But then I was thinking if Sazed can like increase his size and just kind of grab Kaladin out of the sky or at least like bat him down or something like that, then that could be a better fight. See, what I think is interesting about the fight that we saw with Zazed is that, and just the way that Furukumi works in general, is that Zazed has a full metal mine that he can tap at whatever speed he wants. He can take the entire metal mine and drain it instantaneously, or he can slow burn it over a long period of time. In the fight we saw, Zazed was heavily motivated to maintain a incredibly powerful position, but over a long period of time. 
because he was defending the wall from multiple invaders. It wasn't just one person he was trying to kill. So your idea of him, for example, increasing his size, his strength, his speed to a maybe rate that Kaladin cannot keep up with, like, even though Kaladin's cool, a speed metal mind is very, very difficult to deal with, especially Zay's saved it up over years and then is trying to burst. He could theoretically burst it all at once and become way faster than anyone could deal with. So I think there's the possibility that Zazed wins this. The problem that I see, you mentioned mobility and flight. Obviously, you don't want to be in the air against Kaladin Stormblessed. I see the biggest problem, though, being that Sill Blade or the Sill Spear, uh, because Zazed is basically reliant on getting into hand-to-hand combat, and Kaladin will never rely on hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. Even if he gets close and he is physically taking blows from Zazed, I don't think he'd be able to last long uh, from those blows, but I also think he would just make like a Sill Dagger yeah. and then stab Zazed a bunch of times when they're when they're close together. Totally. So it's really- Zazed, he... I mean, he has a lot of cool capabilities, but he doesn't have a ton of like aggressive capabilities because he doesn't have, yeah, he doesn't have weapons. He's not really a fighter and he doesn't have very many defensive capabilities because he doesn't have armor or anything like that. Yeah. He's basically, he's relying on his gold mines to heal him from blows. And I think that would work for like, but Kaladin is also going to keep his distance. So he's going to like fly around Zazed. Well, and Kaladin can heal too. Yeah, exactly. So I think that they're pretty evenly matched. It's a very even fight. It's a fun fight. Here's what one of our fans said: "Quote, honestly, in a one-on-one straight-up fight, I'm having trouble thinking of someone who could overpower Zay's for the first couple of minutes while he's burning through all the stored potential in his metal mines. If there's no follow-up opponent, nothing is stopping him from just using everything right away." End quote. That's, That's a, a good fair point. point. Yeah, yeah, it's like a fair point. In the first couple of minutes. Zazed is insanely dangerous, but Kaladin is going to keep his distance until he is aware of what he's able to do. I think turning Sill into like that 12 foot long halberd spear that he talked about once uh, when he was fighting the fused and, you know, just flying in, taking a couple of stabs at Zazed, basically wearing down his healing until you can try to overwhelm him with a more aggressive uh, fight with the shard blade. What I think it comes down to basically is that Kaladin is able to deal more damage while also staying mobile and defensive from Zazed, who is going to be primarily relying on his physical strength to like catch Kaladin and then like break him some way. And I think Sazed would put up a good fight, but I think Kaladin has workarounds for everything that Sazed could do. This fight, according to the fans, according to us, goes to Kaladin Stormblessed. And our last battle. Oh, our final fight, and maybe the most difficult. It is an emotionally difficult fight, a difficult fight in the story Dalinar versus Yasna. Yeah, and this one I think was difficult for so many reasons. They both are so strong. They're incredibly strong characters. 
And I think just the nature of Yasna's power raises a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of felt, and I still kind of feel like this battle realistically would end in a stalemate, but we had to pick a winner. <laughs> because one of the things that a lot of the fans were bringing to the table, many of the comments basically were imagining the fight happening as Yasna was in the Battle of Thalen City at the end of Oathbringer, where she was snapping her fingers, waving her hands, and making fused puff into smoke, uh, or, or lighting them on fire, building the entire Thalen wall. But I think that we forgot in that that that's not... Yasna's like normal power level that's her when she has access to the spiritual realm due to the three realms being either combined or very very close together so that's not like a normal ability that she can bring to this fight yeah she says two things specifically that I just want to remind people of one is that the soul casting relies on a connection to the cognitive realm and in Thalen City the cognitive realm is literally as close as it ever is to the physical realm. Like she is. Yeah. She makes specific comments like, oh, this is so easy right now because all the realms are, have been brought close together, but that's not what she normally can do. And since that is sort of a God power, like ex machina sort of circumstance, we will not include that particular skill in this fight. For me though, even her main ability, which is soul casting, her other surges else calling, but her main ability, the ability she's best at, is soul casting. And soul casting in this fight, from my perspective, will not work very well against Dalinar the Blackthorn. I imagine Dalinar as a combatant. He is best, in my view, when he is the Blackthorn with full blade and plate. Not as a Knight Radiant, even though he has the healing ability, because the Blackthorn is both so motivated, so young and fit, uh, and so powerful as a pure combatant. We know that Investiture resists other Investiture. In my opinion, there would be no way that Yasna could soul cast Dalinar, even in the best of circumstances, when he's wearing plate. You can't yeah. soul cast someone in shard plate. Is she my would opinion. probably end up soul casting other things. Yes. Like either creating barriers between herself and Dalinar. Or like tripping him. Blockading him in some way. We saw the move where she turns air into oil. And then Ooh, brings yeah. a spark to it. Yep. So you, I, I imagined a fight going where Dalinar gets covered in oil and is on fire, and he's literally a flaming blackthorn. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. You don't want that coming at you. Uh, but, like, can he reach you before he cooks guys. inside of his own suit? And that's it. That's basically, like, the question is, like, does Yasna have enough tricks to bring to the table before to Dalinar yeah, yeah. closes the distance? Yeah. The problem I see, again, this is a little bit hard because we haven't seen Yasna manifest plate we think she got close in the Battle of Thalen City uh, with little geometric spheres coming up around her. But Dalinar in full plate is just going to rush Yasna 
And I don't know how she fights him off if he can close the distance. Yeah, but this is why I think it ends in a stalemate because I think, okay, he rushes her. She else calls. Exactly. The <laughs> ultimate. Uh, and we haven't seen her, her do this yet, but I assume that she might be able to pull like a nightcrawler move where she else calls someone else. So like Dalinar runs towards her and then she's just like, bye Dalinar. And he gets Taken zapped into off. the cognitive realm. Exactly. We haven't seen her do that, but we know that she herself can else call uh, through the cognitive realm. Yeah. So that was my sort of imagination was that she would probably end up else calling and then like, okay, fights called. And I don't think she would have the ability to be able to like else call back and attack him at we like a more that. vulnerable no, point. Yeah. yeah. So she would be able to escape always, but then I think she kind of forfeits the match. And that is generally what I think as well, is Yasna would basically be relying on defenses or trickery or eventually else calling, which we would call a a forfeit, um, against Dalinar's just unrelenting physical assault. If there's ever an instance where Dalinar closes the distance, where he can hit her with the shard blade, there's nothing Yasna can do against Dalinar with it. Like her spren blade is not in any way going to help her because uh, she has no combat skills whatsoever. I mean, I think she does have combat skills, but definitely not at the Black Florin level. Yeah. yeah, she she might have training that is like at the level of Shallan where she's like practiced with a sword and kind of like her upbringing and mm-hmm. just the, you know, the daughter of I kings mean, and stuff like that. She probably has Yasna's like some... is a badass. Like yeah, she's she de- definitely trained herself. I just don't think that there is really anything that can help her if Dalinar is able to close the distance. For sure. I did think it was interesting. One person commented um, that... Dalinar would only win if he lost his memory, sort of referencing like more of his personality and the relationship between them. And I thought that was an interesting like perspective to take. Like if they were forced to fight in the books, he would probably just like sacrifice himself and would not be able to bring himself to kill Yasna. I don't think that necessarily comes into play in this Super Smash Bros, but it was just something that I hadn't thought about that I was like, oh, dang. Yeah. Aww. Yeah, I mean, in the books, we saw Yasna fail to kill a family member in Renarin. So I, if the characters were completely in character, um, I don't think many of these fights would be happening. Maybe we but, would see... Okay, like, if sure. Dalinar was the Blackthorn and was possessed by the Thrill, yeah. Yasna would kill him, definitely. Why? Because he would be possessed and a danger and a threat. So she to would... other people. Oh, you're saying she would be willing to fight him in character. Yeah, exactly. I understand, I understand. I don't think she would be able to kill him for the same reasons if he was the black thorn possessed. Just saying. I understand what you're saying is like she would be she would make the right decision if it was necessary cuz that's her character. Yeah. However, in this fight, we and the fans are giving this to Dalinar the Blackthorn. Oh, so hard to say goodbye to Yasna. All of these fights were incredible, and the comments were a whole bunch of fun. Really liked them a lot. So let's talk about each of the round two fights. There's Round gonna, two! Yes, there's going to be eight fights again, just like there was for round one. And we've given you the winners, but let's go over them real quick uh, with the new matchups for round two. Brooke? 
Start us off. Kelsier versus Vin. Sad face. Battle oh. of the Mistborn. That is going to be a fun one to talk about. Yeah. Who is better? You know, pure power, anger, sociopathic rage from Kelsier or talented, mobile, finesse, imaginative, goddess of Scadriel. Like, I'm incredibly stoked about this matchup. Next, we have Eshenai versus Shalon. Very, very interesting matchup. Uh, the kind of same things that we saw in some of our other matchup with a plated individual versus a non-plated individual. Shalon obviously having lots and lots of radiant powers, though. We'll see how that one plays out. Our next matchup, Wax versus Renarin. Ooh, Very interesting. fascinating. Interesting. I like that one a lot. Now we have the all offensive character of Wax versus the all defensive character of Renarin. We'll see how that one plays out. And a fight that I wasn't sure was going to oh, happen. Oh, no. But here it is. It's Kaladin versus Dalinar. Oh, shoot. As you imagine them at their best, who wins Kaladin versus Dalinar? That's a tough battle. Tough yeah. matchup. Our next battles we mentioned in last week's podcast, but this is the actual round for them now. So Yeah, they had a bye the first week. Correct. So here they are. First one is Marasi versus Vasher. Marasi coming to the table with, in my opinion, her best had her with pistols and a cube device uh, where she could oh, yeah. imprint her power. So keep that in mind too. Like that final... Um, time when they suit up and go to fight in Bands of Mourning, uh, they definitely had the the cube technology. So play with that in your comments and keep that in mind uh, in this fight with the ultimate sword master in Vasher. Next up is Hoyd versus Miles Hundred Lives. Good fight. That is going to, for me, be the most interesting fight. Two people who basically cannot die fighting against <laughs> each other. We'll see how it goes. Fans, get creative with that one, hmm. obviously. Like, go full bore with the theories. Go crazy. Go hog wild. I want to see all yeah, the crazy Yeah, feel free to, to think creatively. Be imaginative yeah. on all these fights. Because when you bring in Hoyd to a Cosmere fight, like, the point is to get creative and have fun with it. Next up, we have Hrathen versus Spook. I'm incredibly interested to see what the people say about this one. We have the Elantrian monk, uh, fighting monk in Harathen, who has twisted his bones to give him increased strength. Well, uh, he only has a little bit of that, right? He, does, he doesn't do it across his entire body like some of the Dakur monks do. Yeah. But he did train with the Dakur monks, um, and I believe it is one arm is okay. twisted... Um, to the point where he can quite easily snap a person's neck uh, just by putting pressure on it with his arm. So we have another Winter Soldier. Winter Soldiers versus the Tin Enhanced... A lot of his single arm <laughs> fighters. Tin Enhanced uh, Spook with a pewter spike, if you believe that is his most powerful. Yeah. And our final matchup, the... One that I am, these characters are like the most humorous 
to me. Uh, one, because he is on purpose humorous all the time, and one, because he is the opposite of humorous and just gets to play with Nightblood, uh, <laughs> and that is Wayne versus Zeth. Yeah, I don't think Zeth is particularly humorous. Oh, Zeth is hilarious. I find Zeth to be the funniest character in the cosmos. Very <laughs> interesting sense of humor. Yes, me and Sword Nimi have hilarious senses of humor. Uh, the well, we should stipulate though, Zeth does not have Nightblood in this very fight. Very true. Sorry, I'm just talking for fun's sake. Uh, but yes, I believe that Zeth. Without Nightblood, but still as a full Night Radiant is where I would put him. Uh, against Wayne, the abilities and the combinations of Wayne as a Twinborn are very, very interesting. Uh, he does not have uh, guns like Wax does. Does have his sticks, okay? But he's able to speed bubble. And obviously he is a Bloodmaker, so he can heal quite a bit. Even from shard wounds some people were commenting about this fight and other fights that uh gold mines cannot heal shard wounds but we found a word of brandon that says absolutely gold mines can heal shard wounds so keep that in mind wayne not infinitely obviously no like decapitation but a single stab with a shard blade to wayne he can probably heal that just as we're talking about it. What I would really love to see is a fight between Wayne and Lyft. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be a humorous fight. And, not, and oh. they would both have sticks and Wendell would just be like, ow, 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 <laughs> ow. And I really wonder if Wayne's speed bubble would be able to catch Lyft or if she would have some kind of game breaker ability to like get out of it. Well, certainly it would be hard because his speed bubbles are immobile. And Lyft is incredibly mobile. So I can't imagine True. the speed bubble working for very long on Lyft, despite any game breaker ability that she might have. Anyway, that was just yeah, my absolutely. random Maybe we should have a, a loser's bracket where if uh, <laughs> yeah. Wayne eventually loses, he can go down and fight Lyft uh, <laughs> in the fun, <laughs> no holds bar bracket. <laughs> or you can just uh, leave us a comment on Facebook, just post on our Facebook page or Reddit, tweet at us and just let us know what fight you would have the most fun with. For right now, round two is live. The Google Forms are ready to go. We've laid out the eight fights. You can vote on them. You can comment on them. Find us on Reddit, Twitter, Facebook. We're everywhere at Cosmere Convo. Until next time, life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. Mm-hmm.